G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start, but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. The AV captain at school. Right, we're Happy on New now. Year. We're on. Happy <laughs> New Year. Well, this is actually supposed to be our second one because we said the first one got launched yesterday. Our first, so. our first recording. Yeah, our so first recording. First recording. First recording. Yeah. There you go. Happy New Year for our first recording of the new yeah. year. There we go. Yeah. That's, that's going on. You're truth dodging, advertising. Dodging the, truth the and advertising. And the, the sloppy weather. It's been miserable, hasn't it? So it's much cool. rain. It's pouring it's down rain. here. Same in here. You should see how clean my sheep are. They're white. It's the measure of how much rain we've had. They're fluffy. Soggy like like uh, like 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 a mountain thing. They might shrink. Ring them out. Like like big like a big part down the middle of their back. Middle part. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. very good. Oh well, that's good. That's the weather out of the way. What else is going on? New toys. How'd you go for Christmas? I did pretty well. Christmas, yeah, oh. which is what you know. God, that's a long Strangely time. Strangely enough, me and Santa, you know, we had a really good, good connection about what I wanted, and I got everything I wanted. It was fantastic. Really, yeah. got got a new, you know, bench made. Yeah, of more knives. Him and me, we're <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I bought myself a new. Be- uh, oh, got a new from Santa. I got a new bench made knife. I got a new watch. It's turning up. It hasn't turned up yet. Oh, what'd you get? It. It's turning up. Garmin. Uh, it's actually, uh, no, no, I got a watch. So, <laughs> not a computer. Seiko, um, uh, no, not a computer. Well, actually, it's got a dive computer, but it's like, you know, like a really clunky dive computer. And it's oh, a they Seiko, just measure depth and all that, yeah. It's a Seiko, and it's a, a special edition called an Arnie, and it's a remake of a 1980s watch that Arnie wore in one of the movies. Definitely it's not the tech guy of the group. Nah, got an analog watch. You like a smartwatch? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually a duo. It's got a tiny little digital. It's got a tiny little digital display in it as well. I remember having one of those when I was in high school. Stepping up in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, like that, but this is uh, the big dive version. Mm -hmm. It's called the Irony. I've actually got the Citizen version of that that I've had for about twenty-five years now. Yeah. Wow. I don't wear. I wear my smartwatch now. I'm waiting for it to turn up. So that's well, it. Uh, got the knife. That. Got that. Got some new Kuyu gear. Kuyu, you know, Santa sent me some Kuyu gear, which was always nice of me. Uh, I just needed was... to go cold now so I could wear it. Oh, it's your winter gear, is it? A couple of tops. I got some, uh, um, yeah, a couple of tops, a couple of T-shirts, things like that. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that was the that was my um, stash from Santa, so I was very happy. I'm trying to think back. That's you got a lot of time, side by side. Oh nah, that was before then. I've had that for a little while now. I'm loving it, by the way. Uh, it's a uh, yeah, good fun. The old Polaris, good for fanging around the farm. 
But they, um, mm. man, they're ridiculous, I have to say. 140 kilometer hour sort of top speed. That is nuts. Not yeah. that I've got anywhere really? near it. Wow. I run out of room yeah. before I get to half that, and I'm already freaking out. Um, you know, I'm not going that fast with it. But yeah, they've got they've got a reasonable amount of grunt. The old thousand cc in it. So um, no, they're pretty good. And I'll be looking Ooh, forward to thousand, taking that on some of the yeah, thousand cc motor. It's, it's bigger than my my, oh, my wow. mother-in-law's car. Right. It's like a Suzuki Hayabusa. Yeah, <laughs> right. well. Fine, right? <laughs> um, but good for uh, for the farming. It's going to be good for stuff. just just getting the deer recovery or deer taxi stickers made up. I'm not sure if I have stickers or number plate. Deer taxi. Figure that out. Yeah. But how are you going to move it when you're going to when you take? So you're going to have to either take your camper van or you're going to have to take your deer taxi. One of the two. Well, this is the thing, right? I, I've I've read about this thing called a multi combination license. You know, truckies can drive B doubles, two trailers. If I get a multi combination license, can I do that in a light car? Probably not. Can I tow a trailer behind my trailer? I Probably hope not. not. <laughs> I, would, I would hope not, because that would be like I just would not want to be near that disaster. I've seen it in Thailand. <laughs> Camper trailer go that way. Polaris go that way. Yeah, we wouldn't want to be. You see the that. RVs with a with a car behind it. Right, right. Just get an RV. Yeah, right. but, but the RV is one vehicle. I've seen all the, what they call it. What do they call that? They call that a toy trailer yeah, or something, toy isn't it? You can get yeah, those toy, toy trailer. trailers. Yeah, toy, toy hauler. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So, um, so there is there is kind of half a plan. Um, I'm just just trying to figure out. I think I'll back the camper up to the loading ramps on the farm and see if I can just drive the Polaris onto the top of the camper. I'm sure that'll make it handle beautifully. I'm not sure of the what? load. Ra- I'm not sure of yeah. the camper van load rating on the actual, not, not on the oh, axle, but bags. actually on the body of the suspension camper. in the camper. <laughs> Come on, guys, help me out. Axle. I mean, the top of the camper. Well, there's no axle. The metal that it's made out that goes on top. Not... <laughs> no, there's no boat rack. I got rid of it. Yeah, what, well, what's I don't the think weight? Gonna, what is the I don't weight? think you uh, overload the axle. I think you overload the body. The body is going to be overloaded. The yeah, the, the metal give out. I bought a so welder. Make, ah. <laughs> make some reinforcing. For, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but yes, to your point, it's likely that uh, John will have to come by my place, pick up the trailer with the um, with the Polaris. I'll tow my camper, so I've got a comfortable night's sleep, and John can sleep in a swag. Does that oh, sound, okay, so that's going to work. Does that sound fair? Well, Mark doesn't have a camper. Oh, you do have a camper. You need like a. No, I don't have a camper. No. Well, then you can tow yeah. the Polaris. Graham's got, I got, I got a mate with, I got a mate with a camper. Yeah, two campers and a Polaris. There we go. Three cars, two campers and a Polaris. And Graham, Graham's always came for a trip, so he'd come along. He's got mm. a little camper. It's uh, it's more of one of those um, uh, off-road, you know, it's, it's the self-contained unit and it's got a pop-up tent on the roof for, uh, for sleeping. And it's got the what do they call them? You know, the bat wing or whatever it is, a two hundred and seventy oh, degree wing around it's it, like a Patriot. which you can zip in. So you can you can so it's kind of like those Patriot things, but it's yeah. not a it's a uh, Stony Creek or something like that. But it's fantastic for a base camp. We used it yeah. at Nundle last year. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, Darcy and. Tim ended up sleeping in it rather than their own. Well, Darcy went down and was, was intended to sleep in it because Darcy went down with Graham. But Tim had a tent and he ended up just sleeping under it. So moving his gear underneath it and sleeping under there. So it was um, it's fantastic. And it's got a you know nice little kitchen rollout. It's got 
a water pump. It's got a 70 or 80 litre uh, fridge freezer in it. So, yeah, it's a really good hunting base camp. Yeah, they are. And he loves you, doesn't they? They do make things more comfortable. Nice. They're all good. I did. It is a real problem, though. The, oh, yeah, it was fantastic. The versus camper thing. I, um, my wife's got a liverboard horse float. Well. So she can, um, at the front of the horse float, you've got you know, a queen bed and a bunk and a kitchen. That takes up two thirds, and the back third takes three horses. So it's a reasonable size piece of stuff, yep. but mm. it's wide enough for the Polaris to drive in. But that it's actually just makes quite, more sense, doesn't it? That makes more sense. Long that makes more sense. <laughs> can't quite get it in. You can't get the back tailgate up. So just doesn't quite oh. fit. That would have been bloody primo. Just <laughs> cruise having with a horse float. Yeah. Yeah. horse float. That's now. what you need. That's <laughs> right. No. It's almost like you need a horse float, doesn't it? No. Toy hauler with a with a pop up tent, yeah. um, rooftop tent on the front. Anyway, well, when we were out, when, we, when we went out to um, when we went out west to Thargaminda and and in uh, Quilpy, there was at Miles there was a um, uh, one of those um, N seventies, the uh, Isuzu four door um, four wheel drive trucks. That they used I like the dailies, the Rural yep. Fire Brigade in the same room. Yeah, yeah, the Isuzu make one. I think it's the N seventy. There's a model, and it, there's a Two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, single cab, dual cab. You see them everywhere. Um, they had a dual cab, four-wheel drive. So I went, I want that. And then they had this almost like a like a, a mini version of a, um, a tilt trailer for carrying cars. You know, like mm. a tilt trailer, like you drive one in and there's it around. Mm. So they had, they had a, 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 um, a quad in the tray and then on this angle they had the boat yeah i've seen them you see them up in fraser yeah they had the boat and and that's it so you know and that thing just lowered down to the boat so the it it was like an extender it went down to the ground rolled the boat off and then you moved it and you obviously picked up the polaris and you moved the polaris off you towed the and the boat towed the polaris along the beach or wherever it was and they then they had this big truck as the base camp it's a pretty spectacular setup Life goals. And my boys want me to get one. My well, my boys want me to get one because they want me to drop them off at school on it. Oh well, fair enough. It'd be the cool day truck. That's it. And you know what? I believe they're cheaper than Land Cruisers. The Aveco Dailies. (laughs) I I had a I had a half think about the daily when I was looking at buying a Patrol or a Land Cruiser. Um, spec the specs were pretty good. Like they they function really well off road. I, I saw a couple of videos about the daily versus the Land Cruiser, and it shit all over it. Like so, really capable off road, but just so big. Like it's not going to fit in my shed. It's not going to fit huge. in my work car park. It's just so impressive. In a car park, <laughs> you know, it's gonna, you can park it on a couple of cars, but you know, you can't. It's not going to fit in a car park. Hopeless. So um, yeah, that that went out the That's practical it. window as soon as my wife saw me looking at it. It was that. But um, anyway. It's enough about cars. I'll figure it out. Um, rooftop ten on the patrol gives me the sleeping. And I that. Maybe that'll work. That's not a bad option. That'll work. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, and the other thing is too, if it's state forest, then you can't take the Polaris anyway. So no, no, and most of the um, so, no, private blocks we stay in uh, sheriff's quarters or something like that. So yeah, so yeah. it should work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. We, could take, we could take it to the territory. Now, that would be an interesting thing. I think we want the camper for the territory. That's 
part of the reason for driving. I don't want, I don't want to must sacrifice a camper for Polaris in the territory. Oh, there's a debate to come on that. Mm, you could just it out. you <laughs> could just drop. You could zip along. The, you could just zip along a road and just drop people up on a track and just say, "You sit here, or five k's up, pick up someone." And Can't you just do that there with car? your water bottle and with your big hat? And you, you can though. With those billabongs and that, you're not going to get around as as well, very well in a Polaris, in my view. There's just some of those really steep billabongs. You would, but you would scare the crap out of everything. I right. prefer to have a good base camp out there. Same. Polaris. Fridges, freezers, water, shower, shitter, queen Power. bed, electric blanket. Correct. <laughs> like a refrigerated blanket. <laughs> electric blanket in the territory. <laughs> some kind of refrigerating systems. <laughs> Oh dear! All right, it's getting ridiculous. I don't know if you again? saw this, but um, well, before we do, before we do, there's a uh, there's a um, Facebook page, Queensland State Forest User Alliance. I, I think I I don't know who's involved in it, but I, it pops up in my feed, so I must know someone's involved in it. It must be Reese. An interesting Reece? thing, might be Reese. Yeah, I think I think there was a, uh, might, a concept some time ago to to make it not just the state forest hunting, but the user alliance brought together all the fossickers and the campers and the four drivers and the. It might be. It might be everyone to um, swell the numbers. Yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, they've got this thing that supposedly there's a a system called All Trails. I don't know what it is. It must be an app or something like that. And All, all Trail is an app. The All Trails cool. study reveals that. Aussies lack hiking and outdoor skills, and it's talking about people don't know how to read maps and use compasses and things like that. And I thought it was quite interesting, actually, um, because you know, map and compass is a is a is certainly a dying art. Mm. Um, but I don't know what I, they talk about survival skills as well. You know what you do if you get lost and things like that. It's actually quite interesting. It, it's actually derived from a recent story in the Guardian, so maybe it's not even true. Yeah, but, um, well, I mean, it's, it's yeah, certainly so I, easy I enough to do because the old the old analog compass gives you a true reading all the time, and we're relying on digital devices, watches, and and phones. Now we were, I was out when I was out with uh, Dave and um, uh, at the trip out to Nundal during summer, um, we went out to a spot. And I forgot to pin where the car was. And we weren't that far away from it. But I just went in the general direction I thought it was. And I was reasonably well off the track where I needed to be. I ended up going in the wrong direction. And all of a sudden, you're turning around and trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, I wasn't concerned that we were ever going to get lost. But we was certainly not facing the right way. And I was looking at the, the, the you know, the um, orientation of the map. And it was out. Um, so it's getting interference from something, and uh, you know, I look at my my device and I look at someone else's device, and they're pointing us in different directions, trying to go to the same place. So, mm, well, the old analog map mm, and compass has a place. So we had that well, in Severn, very first right. mock. So mm. we were um, on the southern side of the road, and we had we had come down, and we're coming back to hit camp just on dark, and you could see where the sun was setting, and following a GPS, I had the GPS going on my watch. And I had a Venza on my phone, and it was taking us in completely the wrong direction to get to yeah. where we had parked the car. It's quite hard to get lost in Severn, um, especially when you've yeah. got a setting sun to follow. And the the app and my and my watch were taking us in completely the wrong direction because of all the you yeah. know there's all that rock and all that that's around there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's causing yeah, interference, it's throwing us way off. 
Yeah. Do you, and Darcy was having the same problem too, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. So Darcy had his phone. He had the same issue. We ended up having to pull out an analog, you know, a basic compass to get the correct bearing. Not that we needed it, but we were trying to we were trying to, te- so to test it. We had we had a watch and we had the compass next to each other, and they were completely different directions. It was crazy. Yeah. So you can't always trust your device. Well, it got me thinking about that because how do you use your device when you're out? I mean, I primarily use it to tell me where I should and shouldn't be. I don't tend to use it for navigation purposes. I do. I do, but not, no, not, not for navigation. Um, I use it. I do. Yeah. yeah, I don't use it for point and shoot navigation, but, you know, I'll be looking at the map. Um, you know, you've got your grid lines that orientate to north because it's the way the map orientates mm. itself. Um, they're always north, south, up and down on the map. Um, and I use it for, okay, well, I'm here. You know, I can see exactly where I am. And I know I can see that off to my left, you know, I've got pretty nasty gully that I don't really want to go through. If I'm trying to, you know, sit, you know, I'd shot a deer and I was sitting there going, what's the easiest way to get out of here? I can see the shortest way and I can see the easiest way and I can see where my nearest track might be and those sorts of things. So I use it for for detail mm. that I, I, I wouldn't know about because I'm in a, you know, a lot of the time when you're in state forest, you might be exploring new areas, so you don't know what features are around. So I, I certainly use it for that. Um, from time to time, I'll flick on the track GPS trails and I'll have it follow me around. I do that if I stumble across a, um, a, a track that's not marked. As soon as I stumble across that track, if I'm going to follow it, like I did on the last trip that I was in Nundal, um, I found this track and I went, shit, it's going the right way. It's what I want. I hit the mark button then and I had it. So I hit the track GPS and I had it follow me all the way along the track so I could see later on where that was on the map and where it might likely go if I don't reach the end of it, stuff like that. But not for basic nav that you're talking about, Mark. I don't use it for that. Uh, I think that's always the difference between hiking and, and hunting. You know, generally when you're hiking, you are you are going from A point to A point. Mm. And so, you know, and you're navigating along that way. If, if, if you have to navigate, if it might be a track or a trail, then you just, you're just following that. But when you're hiking, you are navigating generally, you know, because you, you're actually trying to go from, you know, the car park to the peak or whatever it is or the waterfalls or the lake. But, you know, generally with hunting, it's navigating is is a secondary almost to what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm exp- I'm exploring. I'm actually exploring. So I'm, I, as long as I kind of generally know what's in front of me or around me, that's all I need to know. Getting back's obviously important, but I've always found with the state forest, you know, there's they are pretty, you know, there 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 is there is tracks in most directions. Unless I mean, there is those parts in Nundle when you get right up in the guts, so, you know, you, you do run out of tracks. But in most instances, if you were to walk on a straight line. You would eventually cross a track. Yeah, no it's doubt. A working forest. The yeah. same with the, the same mm. with the Pilliger. You know, if, if the Pilliger is, is gridded up, especially um, Pilliger East. But yeah, so it, oh, it got me thinking about you know your actual skill set when you're out there and, and how you're using that skill set because I I always still carry a compass with me, but I just I've done that and you know if if there if it, I don't know when the last time I looked at it, but it's a way I've just always have one with me because it's it's just something I learnt so many years ago. Yeah. Well, what I, mean, I do is on my Garmin watch, 
I um I set up a when I, I always do a starting point and I use yeah. the hark function um, just because it's preset, but that actually tracks me. And I use that because when I get home, I can jump onto the Garmin website and actually overlays it onto Google Maps yeah. and I can actually see where I went and how I did it and, and all the rest of it. And then from that, I can actually use that for further scouting. Oh, I saw deer along this gully. Is there another way I can get into that gully, et cetera? So I like to do that. Plus, it gives me the option to return home if I need to. We use that in the Territory when Ian shot that, that buffalo. He turned to me and said, did you remember your head torch? And I was like, oh, crap, no. And we had like 20 minutes of light left and we had about three, what was three, four Ks to get to the car. And literally on my watch, we just went, you know, do a beeline straight back most, to the car. Straight, route. don't follow yeah. the track, just a straight line. Yeah, and we just followed the watch and we got, we just steamed ahead with this buffalo and we got back to the car just on dark because we didn't have mm. the torches with us. So there's definitely a, um, a place for them. Um, I love the GPS function on my watch. I think it's great. Mm. Do you carry do you carry paper maps? No, not anymore. I, no, not anymore. I used to. I used yeah, to, I used to carry a compass and the paper maps, and then I, I like the last mm. couple of years I've really started trying to strip out all of the shit that I I used to carry a bloody jet boil and coffee and this and that and you know sit down and have a gourmet meal. Like it's just not necessary. Uh, so I started turfing stuff out of the pack and the compass and the paper map were one of those items that. I had to seriously look at it and say, when was the last time I used it? Like, and am I really going to be in a situation where I need it? Maybe if I was doing high country stuff in Victoria or if I was doing stuff over in New Zealand, I'd want to have that back up. Or if you're doing multi-day away and battery mm-hmm. consumption was going to be a problem, multi-day. it might become a factor. But like all yeah. of the stuff that we do yeah. realistically is is half day, half day trips. And you know, left and right mm-hmm. of you, there's a track if you walk. Um, mine exactly the same as what you're saying i follow my nose for the morning you know for the hunt part if you like mm. i follow my nose you know down in the gullies up the other side i go wherever the dog takes me um really yeah. and it's the oh fuck now i've shot an animal um how yeah, am i going to get now, out of here now without busting my the most convenient yeah. convenient way yeah. that's it yeah that's yeah. It. yeah i've actually started car- carrying a map again now because i'm taking so many newbies with me and my boy too. So I'm actually, you know, using it as a discussion piece again. But we usually print like a little A4 or something like that or an A3. I usually print them up and we'll just go like, you know, I mean, last time I was, you know, that in Nundle, that the, the peak um, up the northern end where near the, um, it's the it's the hill that the um, Wi-Fi trees below. Yeah. You can, yeah, go, you can actually go up, up to the top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we went up to the top of it. Well, when we were down in that, in the eastern side of that, across the road in, in that area, we were just, basically, we were just practicing navigation in there and just saying, like, you know, look at this tree, look at this thing, think about where you are and taking, you know, and just taking, um, you know, taking a night, well, having a look around and taking a, a snapshot of where you are and what it looks like and continuing on. So I've actually found that I'm using the paper map again, but I'm using it really to say, look, this is where we are and this is where I'm thinking we're going and things like that because last time I had both my son and Graham with me, so really I was just tour tour guiding. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make a way back. Yeah, I'm still carrying the paper maps. Yeah. When when DPR dropped the requirement, that's when I stopped. I just used my Yeah, well, I did for two. I did too. I I got rid of it, but I'm starting to use it again. I mean, I, I never never did carry things like coffee and all that stuff like that. I never did bother with those either. So yeah, one of the things that was quite interesting about it 
is that on this on this website people have made comment about you know what they take with them and stuff like that and when you look at a lot of the stuff they're taking a, a phone and a zolio would be basically you know draw a line through four or five other things that they're carrying with them like epurbs and mm. gps's and things like that mm. it was quite interesting you know like what people are saying they take with them like you know um warm warm item of clothing and stuff like that um i usually carry a rain jacket or a poncho or something with me well, just it. so i don't is get caught that's it i usually that that's one and the same but i mean none all i'm warm anyway wearing it. So yeah. I'm, I'm wearing it <laughs> but you know diff, different places you different approaches it was quite interesting to see that that skill set and that the, the focus on that skill set definitely dying mm. out mm. Yeah, so I carry a... Um, Scouts is probably a few places that turn it. Yeah, I carry a, um, uh, a like a good quality survival blanket. It's only about uh, about the size of two fists, for those that are listening, not looking. Um, mm. And, you know, it's um, it's got that blaze or that rescue red outer, same colour as your fancy bottle, Jono. Um, and uh, the foil line inside, mm. and it's a multi-use thing. You can fold it back up and use it again. I carry that rather than, you know, another warm piece of clothing. Um, like you say, none like, you know, you walk out of camp, you've probably got your, you know, your puffer jacket on and a jacket over the top, and you strip that <laughs> stuff off. I got every piece of warm clothing I own anyway. Yeah, it gets <laughs> damn cold. So, dress. Um, but I take that. But again, we're not, these survival guys that you're talking about, they're probably talking about multi-day. you got to be prepared enough to, to um, get yourself in trouble and and survive for the day and maybe overnight, but then again, not to say that you want to rely on the technology, but with the Zolio, um, you know, being able to just message you my exact location and say, "Hey, I'm in the shit." The fact that you're going to get that, and I know you're in the camp. Yeah. Like, I mean, how long am I going to have to wait? You might sit there, mm-hmm. finish a cup of Plus coffee, and, and say, yeah, "I'll but- stuff him with you right for a while," but you'll come and get me eventually. Depends how, you how warm their blankets fire up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, with yeah, the right, location I mean, share as well, we can we can see each other within six minutes. So you know, six right. minute intervals. So I mean, between us, that is. Um, but I don't know about get you know John and his blanket might get some might prodding to get him out of bed. But yeah, I'd probably come. <laughs> I'd actually go if my son was there. Let's go. We're gonna go get here. Let's go and rip yeah. it up and make it an adventure. Yeah, so yeah, stuck again. Fun. yeah. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, again, you know, relying on that's probably not the best advice for people, but it's certainly added a layer of comfort. There's no doubt that I feel way safer. Oh, most definitely. Mm. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, have you ever been lost? Have you ever been lost? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, where was I? I was mm-hmm. um, samba hunting in Victoria in an area that I didn't know. And this is the exact reason why relying on technology is the wrong answer. Um, I was out for a very good solid, you know, pre-dawn to after dark and all my stuff was going flat. I was literally taking the batteries out of my GPS so that it wouldn't accidentally soak up more power than necessary so that I could turn it on every half an hour and double check that I was going the right way. I ended up being like four water catchments too far across from where camp was going and I was quite disorientated. Even though downhill was downhill, I was second guessing what I was doing. But it was um, it was quite a um, uh, quite a strenuous exercise to like it was so steep going around these water catchments uh, and over these spurs took quite a lot of effort and 
Um, it just got to a point where I, I wasn't too stressed out, but I was very tired and, and I was starting to get out of water and, um, yeah, everything on the phone was gone flat and the GPS went flat. I mean, I had three different items. I had the phone, I had my, um, my watch and I had my GPS and everything was starting to just run out of batteries. And I was like, uh, underprepared, um, the radio batteries were gone and, uh, my replacement batteries I didn't have for my GPS at the time when there was double A replaceables, just stuff, it just didn't work. So, but other than that, not, not seriously lost. Uh, oh no, there was one, one other time. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, I knew, I knew exactly where I was, but I was completely dehydrated. So I, my brain wasn't thinking properly. Um, and I, I actually just sat down for a while and I messaged Hendo actually. Um, I messaged Hendo and I said, this is my GPS coordinates. Can you jump on a map for me and tell me what bearing I need to walk to get to a road, to a track? Um, just tell me I'm going the right way. And there was no reason for me to need to do that other than I was not thinking rationally because of dehydration. We had a sheer cliff on one side. And I knew which direction I needed to go, but just, I don't know, your body functions in a weird way when it's not operating mm. properly. So, yeah, they're the two, two things that come to mind for me. I was a younger guy in the mid teens on a we're on a, a hike there's a group of us we're on a hike and we're actually up in up near your way, up there in the you know, up on the border range. And um we were walking we were crossing private land. It had been organized before, we were crossing private land. We were doing a point to point hike and we were following this fence line. And there was a bull on the other side of this fence line. So we were keeping the bull and the wire between us and the bull, you know. And all of a sudden, there was no wire. Oh. And we went, oh. 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 So we, we just, we, 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 for a while, we thought if we just keep walking like there's a fence, then we'll be okay. And so we did, but it didn't. The bull started to like move towards us and we went, oh, okay. So we said, oh, we'll, we'll cut down into this tree line and just follow the tree line and then, then come back up. And somehow when we went in the tree line and we went into the creek and we got below the eye, the eye line of the, of the paddock we were in, something happened. I can don't know what happened, but we became disorientated. And we kept going because we're young fellas and we're not real bright, and we just kept going for three or four hours. And, and so we just speared completely off course and then all of a sudden we kind of started to realize we were going the wrong way and you know and you know you talk about you know the the, the you know uh, a compass will give you a true reading when there's eight kids looking at each other you don't get true readings of the compasses they all point <laughs> to each other yeah when you're all standing around in a circle on the same map doing this it's like, yeah, it's like this wagon. We're all going that way. That's right. It's this weird thing of confusion so that happened. We just couldn't figure, Yeah, it was. And it was, and it became, you know, and like we, we used to hike pretty light when we were that age. And so there was no, there was no fat in anything we were carrying. So that first night we actually camped in the creek, in the creek bed on rocks, you know, it was just literally just, we just became too exhausted and kind of too scared. And we just stayed there. And then for the next whole day, we, we just walked this creek line, um, you know, and we, we had this horrible 
conversation was, was the creek going to spear us to the west of the Great Divine or over to the east? So were we going to end up on the coast or were we going to end up further in the scrub? We just didn't know where we were going. You know, and we, we're all having these pictures that we're all just going to die out here in the middle of somewhere. <laughs> and we'd been going for most of the day and all of a sudden we found a tr- we, we saw a tr- uh, we saw it we found it we saw a track vehicle track private property vehicle track and then we got to it and we went okay which way did we go and we went and we sat down on the vehicle track in the end kind of out of sheer you know exhaustion and and fear going we don't know which way to go and then we heard a dog bark so we went well, towards the dog and then we ended up, and we ended up with this farmhouse, and there's like eight kids, you know, Lord of the Flies, <laughs> mud bone, mud bone through our noses. <laughs> We've already gone wild. Uh, help us, help us! And they, yeah, you know, they said, oh, they had a landline, you know, this is some time. And they rang the guy, our scout leader, and he turned up and chastised us for doing the wrong thing. And we piled in the bus and we went home. And it was like, you know, stupid boys don't get lost again. And it was a, it was really quite an interesting experience. I still remember it because yeah. it started to break down really quickly. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, the major things that you find when people is that you brian you you gotta be a you gotta shut your brain off because it's telling you, Oh, you're going the wrong way, you're gonna die, yeah. you're gonna you know, there'll be dogs chewing on your bones in ten minutes. You you know, it all goes from completely safe to your extinction within, you know, a couple of seconds of thought. So you've got to shut that off. And you just, if you think you're going the right way, you probably are and shut it off. But yeah, that was what I've found from that. That was, a, I still remember that one. You know, I remember some of the guys, you know, losing it on that first night and <laughs> starting to lose it. Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. That's right. Yeah. I think that's it. That it's one. a really. The second one. There you go. Go, Mark. Another one. Been lost twice. The second one was it wasn't lost, but I was de- disorientated because, like yourself, but what it was is we were hunting on a property at the back of Stanthorpe, and again, way out in the back of Stanthorpe, and the property owner set a fire of a, um, a deadfall, and he set a fire when we were out, and we came back towards the fire, and a, it because it was darkish and there was this massive bright light and it was a flame, we just could not figure out where anything was it yeah. just completely disorientated us and we just we, you know what's this because we couldn't see anything that you know we couldn't see the house lights or anything like that all we could see was this bright orange light and i mean it's a big timber deadfall flame so you know it was a big fire and we thought is that a fire is it coming towards us and all that stuff and, and that really disorientated us for a while we had a, we, we we kind of moved we, we decided to move uh, into the wind because we thought it's a fire. It, it, you know, it'd probably go, the, the wind will push it rather than draw it. So I went into the wind and we realised what it was. It was just this controlled fire that this guy was burning. But it was um, when we saw it at the time, we just could not figure out where we were or what was happening all of a sudden because it just disorientated us so much. Mm. So the only... Um... The only thing that you can you can truly rely on, I mean, compass is great, but if you don't have one, if you've got your Avenza map, if you've got your map, again, remember that the the grid squares are north, south, east, west. They're kilometre mm. gaps apart, and you can rely on the sun's 
rising and falling and the moon's rising and falling being the same thing. Mm. So you should be able to find yourself in east-west direction and a north-south direction from that without needing a compass. That'll give you a general direction to go for a general track line that's on your map. Um, yeah. You know, that's that should get you right most of the time in, in these places that we're hunting. I just find the whole thing fascinating how the body doesn't work well under stress and we don't put ourselves in that sort of stress very often. So when it happens, it's, you're usually the first time you're in the shit. Yeah. You figure out mm -hmm. how you're going to respond to that. And, um, and yeah, it can be quite interesting. And in that instance, when you're, when you're crossing over and you're not crossing under, under the direction of a device, one of the, one of the things that we learned years ago was actually just pick something like 50 yards in front of you. Mm. So you go, okay, I'm heading that way or head of that gum tree. And so that's how you basically try and stay on the same bearing rather than, because for whatever reason, we all tend to either hook to the left or hook to the right. And that's why they find people going around in circles because you think you're walking, but you, you slowly pan one way or the other. So spot something at not too far distance and walk towards it and then spot the next thing and then spot the next thing. And that's how you, you can help keep yourself within a reasonable a single bearing. Hmm. Jono? Not found yourself lost? Uh, not, not yet. I'm sure it's going to happen, but not yet. Oh, we'll get him there. We'll okay. get him there. Touch wood. We'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, good way to chat about gear. We were talking about um, clothing and gear and stuff offline and um, some of the things that we're trying to pick for various different conditions. Unless you want to, is there anything else you wanted to cover off on that before we move, Mark? If I could buy Kuyu shares, I'd probably buy them because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I'm holding them up at the moment. <laughs> no, I think um, I think your brother in arm, um, Dave Willie, he's he's out he's out Kuyuing you. Is that a thing? He's out Kuyuing you. Yeah, well, him you. and I talk about you know. Uh, <laughs> so I go, Wait, what, oh, what about those attack pants? Check out my Kuyu undies. Check out my Kuyu socks. We're comparing notes. I've actually now got Kuyu gear that I use for fishing. That's how much I got. Wow, man! Fanboy, I bought fanboy. a blue one. I thought I can use that for fishing. That's it. You Nothing wrong with the gear. It's yeah. Product. So, so. No, I love Very it. Good. Mm, Very good. Fits me. Product. Fantastic gear. It's mm. fantastic gear. All right, so let's talk about that. So I'm going through. What other uh, gear? I'm going through the normal the the, the process of uh, um, you know upgrade not not so much upgrading but refreshing a few of the bits and pieces that I need for the coming season. I've been always chasing the right pair of pants, and I've been on every site, mm. every brand. I'm just trying to find uh, the right product to suit our conditions and you know we talk about um i mean there's lots of different brands out there and a video that you guys put out way back about um jono wearing a pair of um uh, a pair of pants that attracted every seed known to man and then you were wearing a different type of pant and it was made of a different material and the seeds just brushed off it um mm. you know so so I don't think there's yeah. a one size yep. or a one product fitting everything here, but have a have a have a listen to this. Oh yeah. So this was last night. 
Hey Mark, I remember watching a video of yours where you recommended pants that are burr-proof. I got so much, <laughs> so much burr on my hunting pants that I don't think I can say them without ripping them. That came through last night from Haroon. <laughs> oh, did it from Haroon? So That's it from tonight. He said it to me yesterday. So yeah, so yes, I said Ranger Pentagon Ranger two point But that's it. Yeah. So it's that is a real issue this time of year. Mm. That burr grass. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. literally end of January, beginning of February when we were in Severn, Mark, when that happened. Yeah, it is. It's this time of year. Usually, and there's some, after, there's some parts of the rain. Some others, of course, but yeah, mm. Mm. yeah, haven't so haven't had that's, anywhere that's, near so, the know, same problem gone... in Nundal and Hanging Rock as we have in um, in Severn. But then you know you're in summer. Mm. We're talking about winter. Um, do either of you guys uh, have you matched one brand or pair of pants that supports what you do for the entire year, or are you mix and matching across the season? For me, I'm at the moment sticking to the same pair of pants. So I've got Hunter's Element. Um, I think I've got the Spurs, which are sort of their they they are geared a bit more towards warmer weather, but you can just wear thermals underneath them. Um, the only thing I find they're not great for is the wet. So I'm actually looking for. This year, I'm going to get a nice pair of waterproof or yeah, water-resistant pants just to, to help me with Nundle or Maybowl and that because it was so so wet down. Yeah, <laughs> it was so wet down there last year um, that yeah, the spare pants just don't don't really hold up in that. They're great for hot weather. I've used them in the territory. I use them in the raw. Um, I've worn them at Nundle. I just yeah, I just put a pair of uh, thermals underneath them and they work fine. And the good part about that is if you do get too hot, you can just take the thermals off. Yeah. They, they generate all round for me. Dare I ask Mark yeah, well, what brand last he's wearing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, no, last year I wore the Pentagons to Nundle. I wore them and I just wore thermals underneath. And they were pretty much good enough. Um, what are they made of? They're uh, that ripstop stuff, you know. Are they a cotton, cotton blender? Or they, uh, but you can see they're all synthetic. Yeah. No, oh, they're, they're they're not they're not a pure cotton, mate. Just amuse yourselves, and I'll look them up. Tell you, um, yeah. So they've got you know that you can see the the crosshatch pattern. Ripstop. Yep. That's the stuff. Them. Yeah, ripstop. Pentagon. So I used them yep. last year at Nundle with a pair of spur pants um, on a couple of days. Um. But this year I'll be taking Kuyu. Um, yeah, and so yeah, they're pretty. They're warm enough with um with uh with thermals underneath. Yep. So what are they? Come on, where are they? Specifications. So I've been looking for they're pants that have no cotton. cotton, no cotton in them, um, because obviously they hold the wet and they hold the cold, even if they are a blend. Um, hunting, you know, good quality hunting um, clothing is usually quite technical nowadays, and it's it's removed a lot of that cotton out of it, and it's got you know uh, polyester, spandex, something else, something else blend in it to allow it to move and stretch and do what we want to do. But um, the problem with half these brands that are coming in, Kuyu is one of them, and um, Sitka is another one, and First Light's another one. Like a lot of the American brands that are top-notch, right, really good quality gear, uh, it's difficult to try it on, right? And if you're going to change what brand mm. you're wearing, you've got to go through that process of 
I think I'm this size, so I'm going to get that one in. And if it's wrong by half a size, you want to send it back. You're sending it back to the US. It costs a lot of money. That whole process is really hard. Um, so yep. I'm time-consuming. And time-consuming. And and here was the fun part for me, right? So I was looking at Sitka. I thought Sitka gear really ticked the box for what I wanted. Had had good sizing. It had um, like it it had a, the right range of stuff. I don't really care about the pattern, to be honest, because I'd, I'd probably go a solid color over a pattern, but whatever, that that didn't bother me. Um, but um, I didn't want to buy it from the US, so I, I looked up Sitka Gear Australia to find out um, who distributed it, and lo and behold, there was sitkagear-australia.com as a website, and it mirrored the US website, and it had Australian dollars and Australian price, and it looked perfect. So um, I, I sent them a message and just said, hey, um, I'm going to buy the first stuff. I just want to know if I've got a return for sizing, whether it goes back to the US or whether you've got an Australian warehouse. That link went back to the US site and they came back to me and said, we don't have Australian distributors. Um, well, can you take a look at this website for me? And it was a fake website. The whole website was fake. Oh, the wow. pricing was, was... Or was it one of the... Was it... Was it... It was a. It was a. Was it um, fake or was it something? It was a they, they kind of it generates for. No, wow. it was a fraudulent mm-hmm. site. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, uh, they got back to me and they said thanks for letting us know. And the next thing you know, that whole site shut down. Can't get to it anymore. It's gone. Um. So not quite sure what all of I, that was, but the, the pricing think... was great. The Australian dollar pricing was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I wouldn't have seen. Shit. I think you uh, I think you have some. Thing here in Australia, in South Australia, and the reason I say that is because when you order stuff from them, they they kind of say you know it's part of this worldwide ordering, which I'm assuming that they you know it doesn't all come out of the states; it it comes out of some place. And when I I've only ever had to return one thing to them, and it went back to South Australia. Yeah, right. So I don't know if that's like. If, I don't know if it's a distributor or more like a, a logistics a a logistics yeah, a type of um, setup for them. So they yeah. you know, they might have them in different countries logistically so it moves around. Because what happened was um, the jacket that I ordered had those zips under the arms and I, they just drive me crazy. Yeah, so I couldn't I, imagine I, I having them. I sent it back and yeah. they, said, they said, yeah, they said, sure. And, they, and I bought another jacket and another jacket came. But that not well. One of the things I like so much about them is the quality of their gear and how good it is. But two, what I really, really like about them is the the um, their standard sizing. It makes it's just it's it's correct and it doesn't have great variances in it. And Trust they all even man. say like you know, if these pants, mm. if you order these pants, they're slightly different to these pants. So they'll tell yeah. you that. So they said. You know, um, so like for uh, after I was talking to Dave Willie about um, the attack pants, I contacted them and they said they're, they're, they're the same size, go the same size. You'll just find that they're a little, they're a little, they're a little tighter than the sizing for the stretch ones. But they said, yeah, that they're a little tighter, but it's not significantly different because yeah. they're not stretch. So, because I said the ones I got are a bit big on me, but I don't mind because they're summer pants. So I don't mind them being a bit big. And they said, yeah, so these they're going to be a little bit more, uh, a, bit, a bit snugger, but it won't, it won't matter 
in, in any great sense, but um, yeah, there's they know their stuff and that's what I like about them. You can send them a me- message and you'll get a response and it's usually pretty accurate. Yeah, whereas your, your which is uh, runner's thing. element, which I quite mm-hmm. like and I like supporting some of the local companies and local, you know, Southern Hemisphere local, I guess, as local as that gets. Um, but, you know, you can get, um, you know, if you buy, what was that, what we were talking about earlier, um, pants that I use for summer with the Eclipse pants, you know, they're air mesh, they're really good. But if you want to buy the spur pants, you've got to buy a size smaller because the Eclipse are big. If you want to go and buy yeah, their bloody shorts, right. you've got to buy three times bigger because, you know, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't give it to my, my son and they probably wouldn't fit like the normal size. It's ridiculous that their sizing is just – and they claim our oh, material fits different. I said, that's rubbish. It's a pattern's a pattern. It might stretch more if it's got a different material, but they just can't yeah. get their sizes mm. right. I tried a shirt on the other day. Um, the the current um, shirts that I wear, you know, they're they're a bigger fitting shirt because they go over the top of a lot of stuff. It's the camo outer that I wear from time to time, um, and it was a it's a it's a um, an XL shirt. I went and tried on their new shirt, their new Eclipse shirt, which is basically the same thing, the new model. I don't fit into a five XL, right? So one XL to five XL, that's the variance that they have in oh. their shirt size. Mm. Um, it's it's nuts. But... It's not it's not good for your confidence. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll, just, I'll yeah. just get this. No, I can't offer anything. I would, I would die tonight. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to jump four sizes. And <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, want. Not, to... I don't <laughs> give a shit what the size says. I just want the fits. Um, but yeah, I mean that sort of size yeah. is just well, look, crazy, look, and they need to sort it out. But hmm. say that I've I've often found that NZ clothing's got a different. I remember when I used to wear ruggers. I used to wear small. <laughs> and I'm not small, okay? There's no doubt about I'm small. That was it. They see us. I thought, like, you know, <laughs> everything was small from them. It's just like yeah, building bigger. This over t-shirt there. that it was, I was swimming in. That's like, that's right. That's, that's it. They must have just went, okay. Where's our, where's our sizing model? That's yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, some prop was there. Some some local prop was their sizing model. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're pretty fit. You're small. Yeah. Oh, you should see my brother. He's oh, probably the smallest player in the rugby team. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a hassle. It. Yeah. I um, it's just a... So I'll be sticking to what I know for now. It but is. Um, I have been trying to find a few different things, better quality, more consistency in size. We we do so much buying online now compared to going into retailers. Retailers really aren't stocking mm. a whole bunch of stuff, even those that that do are supposed to stock a lot, um, they burn through their stock so fast because of online retailing. I was talking to the guys down at um, yeah down at uh, Apex the other day, and their retail trade is through the roof. Um, you know, so when you go in store now to try something on, um, you know, so much of it's gone out to to online sales, uh, which is great yeah. for them. It's just um, yeah, the the whole market's changing. Has yeah. yeah, yeah. Well. I used to do nearly all my camo shopping went on the on the annual Nundal trip at mm. when Urella. when they used to still be at Urella. Uh Camo Warehouse when they still was at Urella. I, we would literally stop there and I would buy a heap of stuff. I'd buy I mean I got two jackets from there, boots, clothing, a whole lot I'd buy it all there because you could actually put it on. Mm. You could try it on, put it on and, and take it from there. So mm. But uh, they're they're in Armadale now, and um, I've got both my pair of boots from them guys, and they're really good with that as well. But um, 
I still went. I still found a pair of lower boots and tried them on. So I knew that a forty-four was a forty-four type thing. That's generally yeah. not something I'm going to buy online. Is that's it? Because they do fit saying, different. Yeah, that's right. And I and I when I bought the the first pair, I said to them, you know, I said, "Is there any sizing difference between the two? And they said, "No, nah, they're pretty. You know, they're pretty standardized. They're forty-fours or they're forty-fours, and it was a, the second pair of boots I bought." Fit as fit as well as the first. Yeah, well, you'd expect that from lower, but it's it's a track. Yeah, well, but I mean that's the thing you you, you would expect it, but you don't want to you don't want to invest six hundred bucks, get them and go shit, <laughs> no. turn turn this over and send it back and all that stuff because mm. it's just gone. It's just a hassle. Yeah. Anyway, that's the process I'm going through. Then- We're going to do the same thing with boots shortly. The old um, the um, Z8 lower Z8s have, have worn out after um, four or five years of use. Um, I've been I've been told to go and replace the soles because you can to send them back and resole them, but the stitching's come up and you know there's little holes through where the stitching is and like they've really had it tough. So time to upgrade those and got my eye on a pair of Rangers. Hopefully they'll do the job. I'm oh, sure they'll right. do the job. Mm. Um, I just was um, working through the, the ranges, the high country and the Tibets, uh, three that look very, very similar, but the ranges, they just feel like um, they've got, they're, they're not quite as stiff in the sole and they give you a bit more feedback underfoot. So you can um, you can feel before you're going to snap a twig in half, whereas the other ones are a bit stiffer for, for much, much bigger pack outs. But um, good boots and, yeah, we'll head down to probably into Valhalla and um, try on a few of the boots because they, they have a good stock holding there and we'll, they have, the right they have very impressive they got there. Yep. So, yeah, um, I guess once my Zambalans are finished with, I'll probably replace them with a, a leather lower. So at the moment I'm running the, you know, like the synthetic slash suede, but I'll go to a, a, a patent leather once those Zambalans give out. Because they're, mm. like, they're the heavy boots I've got. Though I wore Z6s at last year at Nundle, and took the Zambalanzas back up in case something happened, and I, I didn't need them. They are good. They are such a good so boot. So they might. Yeah. Oh, the, the Zambalanzas are great boots as well. They're fantastic, but they might last forever. I actually got a pair in England. I left. I had a old pair, and I left them over there rather than carrying them on a oh. plane there and back and forth. I left them over there. Mm. They're fantastic boots. Other gear that I don't know, but, you know, we've been playing with is um, some of the stuff from Infurate, which has been really nice. I'm, I've, yeah. I myself are playing with that. What is it? The TH fifty tube version two, which is the um, very nice thermal optic yep. uh, scope. Yeah, it is. It's it's um it's a it's a it's a it's a piece of work. That's for sure. It's a you know it's a real thing. It's got lots and lots of functionality and lots and lots of brains behind it. So I'm really just starting to learn about that. Um, there's a, you know, and it's interesting having a scope where, you know, you, you're actually dialing in various things in the scope itself. So it's got the um, the major control panel, very much yeah. like, a, you know, um, uh, Swarovski brought out a scope, the Z8, and it's got the controller in the in the in the rear um, eyepiece. Yep. They have that, but that's only um, on-off palette um, color. So to so there's on-off 
palette color and there's another thing there i can't think but it is right now most of the controls is the top turret's actually a button and you you push the top turret and that gives you your menu button that runs through right. and I, I mean just just been playing around with that and understanding that menu and and working on that and um getting that set up at different ranges for um for thermal shooting at night or in the day. I, I know you can use it through the day but i, I think you know, well, I think you can use it in a day, but I think, you know, if you're going to get it with that much effort, really want to get the opportunity to use that at night where it really would come into its own. Yeah, I think um, I think the concept it's, it's of day-night It's a big is, piece of equipment too. Yeah, yeah, it's not small. But the, I think the concept of day-night is, you know, you've still got people that, you know, they don't have a, a lot of rifles potentially, so you still want to be able to use it during the day, you know, as a scope, which you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm still not a hundred percent about using that scope as a full-time scope. It seems to be. I'm not. I mean, I'm sure it's capable of it, but but the fact that you've got to charge it and things like that, um, I think it's you know it's really going to come in on its own, into its own. You know, when the sun goes down, then it's going to be. Then you're really going to see the advantage of all that all that brains and all that, that high-quality equipment in play. I'm sure it's great during the day, but I think, you know, at night time, that's when you go, oh, this is what this is really for. Yeah. You think you'll have an issue with the, the heat from rocks and things like that during the day? Uh, well, you do, but, I mean, you know, with all of those thermals, you do until you see the animal and then all of a sudden you realise you're looking at an animal. Yeah, you know, and I've found... We've got we've got a lot of rock on the farm, and you can flick through the color palettes, and you can alleviate a lot of that. If you go yeah. into that um, that black hot color tone, you, it's it's pretty easy yeah. to identify the rocks. Uh, I fe- I mean, mm. I just found it amazing looking out over the paddocks at night time and seeing bunnies and bandicoots and you know all sorts of things uh, running across the paddocks that you know, just outside the house. I'd, I'd put the thermal out across the paddock, and you'd, you'd see mm. ten fifteen critters running across. Um, just having a good old field day under the mm. cover of darkness, which was pretty good. But when, I've going to be really interested in your opinion, Mark, I... after you've set it up, um, whether whether you think you could use it in the daylight or not. You know, I think once you've set it up and you've played with it a bit, it'll be a oh, be oh. interesting to see whether you think you know you'd get it into a state forest. I personally don't think it's the right yeah, tool look, for I... state forest because it's it's probably too big for it no i don't either that's my opinion yeah that's the thing it's i think it's you know it's it's a really bit of fit for purpose gear and yeah you could use it you know you could do you could do anything with it sure but i think you know if you really want to get the 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 real oomph out of it it's you know sitting quietly at night observing when nothing else can see you and you can see very, very clearly what's in front of you and, and you can you can dial in the you have those um preset ranges and you just okay, that's at fifty meters, dial it in, dial it in. Well no, you don't dial it, you know, you you basically pushing buttons and it's grabbing another profile and just going, Okay, and I think that's where it's I think that's where that, that you know, it really um, becomes it comes into its own. I know there's a guy, as I said, I've, I've spoken before. He's out of Western Australia, and you see some of his thermal stuff when he's hunting at night. 
you know, and he's looking at deer and they just do not know he's there. Amazing. You know, they, they just do, there's, there's no, there's no awareness whatsoever. And when he hits them, you see that, that, you know, he gets true bang flop. They just kind of, they just don't know what's going on. You know, it's, or you'll, or you'll see them react like a heart lung shot and you'll actually see them react as you, you know, as you know, they'll react, but because they're so, they're not in any way agitated or any, they're just, they're just feeding. They don't know what's going on and all of a sudden they get hit. And I think that's, if you're into that kind of hunting, especially if you're, and you know, if you're hunting dogs and things like foxes and rabbits and stuff like that, it, that'd be fantastic. Hmm. Um, you know, deer might be harder because you still got to find them and you still got to cover off on ground. But, you know, being a place where, you know, there's a good couple of good paddocks and you, you're getting um, small game through there and the occasional dog and things like that sitting there on, on a nice, a bit elevated position, good set of sticks in front of you, comfortable, and having that thing just, look, you know, and being able to just look over that ground. I'm really looking forward to taking up in the valley because there's a couple of dogs up there. And um, I saw one in the, the thermal monocular, but it was just too hard to see it and shoot. And I, I'm, I'm really keen to try it out with a, as a scope rifle. Yeah, you, you still use the monocular for glassing? Monocular. The way I use the monocular is I use it before I go out. So what I'll do is I'll, because I'm usually starting before dawn, I'm starting at dark, I'll scan it in front of me in case... I do something stupid like a bump of deer, you know. I kind of go, okay, I'll see what's around and I use it to kind of like a radar, if you will, what's in front of me and because I know where I want to be and where I want to get in a position and it, it helps me get there without making a mistake of bumping deer or something else. Um, I don't, and then at night, if I'm in position or it's pre-dawn, I use it as a scanning tool then. But it's hard to, with the monocular to scan and to shoot as well because, you know, they're not like... And if it's still too, um, if it's still too dark, you can't pick them up in the scope. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a different. I think it's a different application altogether with it, with that kind of purpose-built thing mounted on your rifle. You're going to use that to locate and 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 hammer. Oh, so you would be using the, the, the scope itself for, for glassing at night. So if you're sitting over a well, water hole, I don't know. If you, I don't know. I don't know how they would go to have two different ones going. I, I think you'd probably be better to just to have the scope set up in such a way as that you can use it to you know pan around, you know do panning vision with the scope yeah you stick it on itself. a tripod and you unless, connect- and of course you, unless you've got something really cool like like um the binocular ones that might you know the does the, i see there's binocular um um uh, style thermals that might be you know even better again but I, I don't know if I was going out. I don't think I'd bother taking a monocular and the scope. So when you when you go out and when you when you go out, if you're using that to to find you know dogs or you're doing you know livestock protection or, or culling or whatever, um, you would you would um, you, you know a lot of these guys have proper tripod setups. You know, clamp the rifle into it so that it's nice mm. and stable. Um, then you Bluetooth that thing to your iPad. And you can move the thing around, and you watch your iPad. You mm. don't have to have your eye in it the whole time. You've got a yeah. you know, reasonable screen sitting in front yeah. of you that captures. So when you can see what you need to see, you can lock the clamp. You can zoom in on it. You can do what you want to do. There's a lot you can do with that. Right down to the smaller ones, they all do that. They all link to mm. to to uh, to an iPad or 
you know, another device via Bluetooth. So uh, there's an app that you can get for them that gives you visibility, which is really cool. Um, probably having a chance to have so, a look at that yet, so, Mark. So but... the one you just, for those listening, Ian just held up a, a smaller monocular. For me, I use that heading towards light. I tend to use that in the hours before light as a way of finding out what's in front of me until I get to a position where, you know, it's light enough for me to see. I reckon with this scope rifle, what I'll do is I'll do the opposite. I'll go out in light, get comfortable, get set up somewhere and wait for the light to drop and use that thing to to, to hunt. So I'll, I'll kind of use them in reverse, if you will. Yeah. State Forest, um, a year ago, we had similar devices. So the one that I was talking about before is the um, is the AFO AP13. It's their entry-level monocular. Um mm. And we had the, uh, this is the, I don't know if this is a V2 or, or not, uh, regardless anyway, we had this, we had the, the version before this last year at Hunt Camp. And then I've also got the Finder. So the the, the AP13 is about a $1,000 device, $900 device. And the Finder, which is that one, if you're looking upside down, we'll do it the other way, how about that? That one is about a $4,000 monocular um, so obviously one's going to be quite a bit better than the other. But in a state forest where you're looking at reasonably close quarters, the cheaper one does a very good job. Um, and mm. to Mark's point where he's you know, he's talking about using the monocular to see what's in front of him before he trips over it, in state forest, you're always going to get a bit of flack from people that say, oh, you shouldn't be using thermals in state forest. It's not hunting. It's not this. It's not that. Look, I get that, um, but I try things out. I like to try things out just to see what place they have. And um, I found that using these devices, I was able to clear the country in front of me. It wasn't about finding the deer. It was about finding where they weren't, you know, to a point, right? So I was able to look over That's this exactly gully and say, well, there's it. actually no deer there. I'm leaving this gully. Um, and the entire time that mm. I was testing these devices out while I was in the bush, I didn't see one deer in the, in the, in the thermal. Um, I managed to take deer. The dog found the deer. Um, we managed to find them that way. But I was able to cover more country because I knew that there weren't deer in front of me and I could just move on. So that worked yep. really well. But, yeah, if you're looking for entry-level thermal, um, these, you know, slightly sub-thousand dollar devices, they've come a long way even in 12 months. Which is, which is, yeah, which mm. is amazing. Isn't um, it? Yeah. Yeah. Considering, Dave had, you know, few Dave years had ago. a... Um, I think he had a Hick Micro version. Um, granted, it's um, it look, almost looks the same. All the vendors seem to have something that looks like a submarine shape. There it goes. Um, mm. uh, and Dave's Hick Micro, I think it cost him two and a half or something like that. He said, and you know, he compared the two of these together, and this was quite a bit sharper. But it is also three, four generations newer. Um, so yeah, the technology's improved and the prices come down and. You know, if you want to muck around, with it, I wouldn't so be scared about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One, so it's a thermal monocular, but it had um, interchangeable front lenses, which was even cooler again. And its control panel was completely different to any of the ones I've seen so far. So most of those thermal monoculars have like a five-button top control panel. It is a very different system, and. Um, it had a, this really interesting scrolling wheel, which was fantastic. 
But what was really amazing was you could actually interchange the front lens. So the way the Zeiss were advertising it, there was like a forest lens and a field lens. So mm. one was a, a 35 mil, one was a 50 mil, and you could, and they bayoneted off like a, you were changing a, a camera lens on a, an SLR or something like that. So that's you kind of think that's where you know it's going to go. That they're, they're just going to get better, better quality, more features, and probably as prices will continue to come down in those things too. Well, you look at the tech changes. Look at the Suarez that came out that we're looking at online in the last couple yep. of weeks. You know, they can identify bird species and things like that. They're just the yeah. new the new technology yeah. is coming all the time. It's quite incredible. Um, the, for me, it's it's. Um, yeah. There's price, there's but but there's practicality and there's size, you know. Taking a, a a massive heavy thermal out is not really helpful, you know, in a backpacking scenario. If you're out hunting in the bush, something small that can do the job. This may not pick up the same mm. level of detail as some yeah. of the others. I, I agree with that. It's not the, to the same standard, but um, you're going to see the general outline of it, and you're going to know what it is. So. That's it's it. going to do the job you need. Um, the other thing, you know, what you were talking about before, Jono, is would you use a monocular to find stuff and then, um, you know, the, the scope to shoot? Um, at night time, um, we found it quite interesting how, how blinding they can be. So blinding both yeah, does, might does, be a, yeah. <laughs> an interesting thing, but also mm. finding <laughs> the same thing twice as hard. In the daytime, using a thermal, I could see animals. I could absolutely see animals right in front of me, but not with the naked eye or not with my binoculars because I, I pick them up without the thermal because they can see through a certain level of, of, um, of scrub. Uh, you know, you can see them in behind it. It's amazing how often you can't find what the thermal picks up. I saw it. I thought, oh, there's an animal there. I didn't know what it was. I thought at first it was a fox, but then I got, the, I saw the big curly tail. I went, oh, okay, it's a wild dog. The tail come up, and you wouldn't have picked that up with you know binos or anything. Or yeah. Even you know, even if there was still light, you wouldn't have picked it up. It was you know, it was in the tree. So when I was scanning, you know, I just saw the heat signature and it disappear, and then the heat signature come back as it, it lined up. You wouldn't have picked that up, but it was there. So that that's what they do. They allow you to see those things that you might otherwise miss. You don't, you know, they don't stand out like here's a deer against a tree, but you'll you'll get this difference in heat signature. I remember the first time I used one, we were down at that property. We used to hunt down at Marundi, and we went out at night. And we there's a there was you camped on what was actually a nice little hut. You stayed on one side of the the property, sloped down to the creek, and then the, it gullet went up to another gully, and um, right in front of that creek was this perfect flat it was like a big bowl and i remember lifting the thing up and it was just alive with animals that you wouldn't have seen there's pigs there's roos there's cattle there's deer they're all there milling around on this open paddock went wow i just couldn't believe it so you certainly do see things hmm. well it'd be good to try these things out again this year um we'll see what comes with it well that's talking about hunt camp again as well so that's um that's been launched so um, we put that out a week ago, uh, and we've now we've got ex, you know amazing interest in it this year, like the last couple of years, but it's stepped up another gear. Um, but if you're interested in coming along to that event, we're hosting it uh, back in Nundal, 
the location in Nundal has not been disclosed at this point. We're still working on that, but we'll be there from April 14th through to about the 21st. Um, it's in the middle of the fallow deer rut, and we'll have a camp for those that want to come along. Now, Nundal's got uh, about 25 hunting slots available. Um, we've got more interest than we do slots, so you'll have to be keen to get in. Um, but uh, there's quite a few people that are coming this year by the looks of it that aren't hunters or they're tagging along with a hunter. Um, and, you know, so uh, if you're interested in coming but you're not a hunter and you just want to be part of the camp, you're welcome to come along as well. Um, so come and do that. Um, just uh, jump onto the Facebook page, go to our events section and register as going. We'll link you to a chat group so that you can get a bit more information and then we'll we'll um, do our best to um, get as many people along as possible. It's going to be a fun event. Looking forward to it. That's right. We're going to find awesome. somewhere in Nundal itself because, you know, with the, the changes to the camping regulations, we'll try and get the biggest single campsite we can get. Yep. Found a great spot. Won't be able to use... Won't, yeah. Well, there's a couple of good spots, but won't be able to use Ponderosa because that technically only what holds five people or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Hanging rock. Exactly. Yep. So... Well, Are you coming, Jonathan? Planning to. Planning to. Mark's planning to. Depends how the rule goes. Depends how the rule goes. I have a very good feeling that I'll be there even if it's for a short period of time. Even if I have to come down. Just Even if I'm not hunting, I'll be. I'll, I'll come down. Yeah, very good. And we've got um, some plans I, I for I don't know. There's a few things working out yet. Yeah, there's a few things working Even out. Yeah, we've got a few guests that we camp, might have yeah. come along. Some some people yeah. of interest that might might show up and mm. show and tell a few things. Yep, we've got a few secrets up our sleeve yet that will uh, hopefully everyone will enjoy. So yeah, keep keep tuned into that. Um, my intention is to be there for at least a period of the camp. Maybe come uh, towards the end when a few people are thinned out. Mm. Um, see how we go, but that, that's my intention to get there at least for a couple of days. So I'm just looking at the calendar now. There we go. Fourteenth. Yeah. Weekend. Yeah. I'll, I'm glad it's not the following weekend because my young son now is school vice captain, which means I have to go to dawn service Anzac Day. So. You would have done that every year anyway, so Mark. I'm glad. <laughs> no, mate. I've, I've slept in, mate. <laughs> I've slept in, and I have. Uh, Readily admit that I've slept in on doing service, so but I won't won't be won't be doing it this year. So because I know his mum won't get up to take him to doing service, so I'll have to take him. Every year I plan to, and yeah, the same end up sleeping in. So yeah, so with um, hunt camp, of course, if you're listening and you're not quite sure of it, it's an R license. Uh, it's a state New South Wales state forest. So if you want to hunt, you've got a register through the allies you've got to have an afly system and book a place through the um the the allies booking system that's why we're limited numbers uh nundal state forest only carries 25 hunters at one time but being that it's also uh, public land and a state forest if you want to just come along you can come along and camp there so and last year there was plenty of people who did that and it looks like we'll have even more there so it's just uh, a wonderful gathering of people who are, are going to be in the same place at the same time. So 
by all means, if you can get in or you're keen to hunt and you've got the the, the appropriate licensing, go for it. I'm, I, I have a feeling that's going to be a bit of a drag race this year to get, get into that those. It's going to be a few disappointed punters, but even if that's not the case, come along and uh, yeah. join us in camp and um, tell us what you think. Uh, introduce yourself and uh, let's keep let's, let's keep building that network of people. Yeah, and and get in contact if you if you do decide you want to come. Make sure you you make yourself known um, by hitting the like button on the event, so that we can make sure that we connect you in and support you through the process of getting there. Um, yes, there are only 25 spots, but um, some people come for the first half, some come for the second half, some come for two or three days. Um, there's, there's you know, plenty of opportunity for a lot of people to get involved. So, um, yeah, just, just do it. It's a, it's a fantastic event. We have a great time. Are there going to be any prizes this year, Ian? There are. We've already got some lined up, but I'm not going to let them out of the bag yet because... They could get better, bigger, grander, you know. Um, yeah, we won't be giving away the same old pair of dirty socks. It'll be, uh, it'll be some <laughs> cool stuff there. Away. So, it'll be some gear to, trial, gear to trial. That's right. Last year's boots, those sorts of things. No, no, there'll be some good stuff to have a look at. There'll definitely be some prizes, um, some uh, participation awards and things like that. And, uh, and given it's year three, Oh, well, usually we um, we create a trip shirt, so there'll be a trip shirt that's created, a bit of a memento that you can take home and wear proudly, um, and uh, we'll be doing that again. But, you know, we're getting, to a, we're getting to year number three, so there might be some, you know, depending on who shows up, there'll be, there'll be three or four people that might have been to the last two. This will be the, their third one, so there might be an Originals shirt that shows up as well. Oh, okay. The OG. The OG The OG or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, it's all good fun. Yeah, come along. It's going to be great. Really looking forward to it. It is. It's brilliant fun. Brilliant fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, it won't clash with my red. My red hunting will be in, um, I'm going to be going up in the last week of March for at least a couple of days. Oh, so, yeah. Before we hang up the, the, the call, before we finish it off, tell me about the red deer raw in the, in the Mary Valley, Kilcoy sort of area. Where when have you found the the raw the, the the middle of the raw in the last few years? I know it's been different each few years, but is there a a week that you it sort of aim for? I like the first week of April. So. There you go. Oh, late. Um, on my block, I like the last week of March. Seems to be a good time. Uh, last year, um. It, so the year before was the best raw I'd ever been involved in. Uh, last year's was shaping up to be fantastic, and it turned out to be a white a washout in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> so I really don't know what this one's going to be like. If this if this year they if this if this year the last week in March doesn't play out, um, I'll probably I might might uh, move to a later later a week in the following years but i i have generally like the last week of march myself yeah i've been lucky enough to and have I think been it's offered. got a lot to do with the fact that, yeah i was talking to a guy um one of our listeners actually a guy by by the name blaine from urella and he's he's heading up in the first week of april and we were just talking about 
he's never he he, he hunts um, in New South Wales and hunts some good fellow, but he's never hunted red. And we were talking about calibers and things like that. And uh, he's going up, as I said, in the first week of April. And I said, the trouble with the Brisbane Valley is it, it's it's such an epicenter for deer hunting at that time of year. It's almost impossible to tell what's going to happen mm-hmm. because there's so yeah. much, all of a sudden there's so much pressure. You know, you sit on any hill up there and you'll just hear, Bang, 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 you think. And that the, that pressure, it must create, it must be, you know, it, it must have some effect on the animal behaviour because um, there's just so many people up there all of a sudden looking for deer. And uh, and, I, and I said to him, I said, you know, a lot of times people go, oh, I'll, let, I'll pass that one, I'll get him next year. That's not such a good thing to do up there at times because by next year that one's probably been in the ground six months. So, so you know, through the fence from the other side of the like road. That. It, yeah, well, I said I, I did that in Brisbane. Uh, what was name? Mary Valley one year. Oh, I'll leave him. I'll leave that double five. He's fantastic looking animal. He'll come back from next year. Two weeks later, he's dead on the road. Mm. Got shot from the street. So, yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying. Yeah, well, I've been lucky enough to be so, to be offered a block up Kilcoy Way this year, and um, I'm trying to figure out what dates would be best to go. So I think I've got my pick of dates, but um, I wanted to separate it from hunt camp for family reasons. But you're telling me late March rather than mid March. Uh, uh, yeah, I wanted you to you tell get, me mid March. You know, tell me mid March. People will start talking, saying that you know they'll start hearing roar. In early March, sometimes mm. I wonder if they're here in cows bellow. But anyway, but that's that's a different thing. But um, doesn't mean they're not there. Um, doesn't mm, mean yeah. you won't do well. I just like that particular time. That that and I like to go up during the week. I don't go up anywhere near the weekend. So I tend yeah. to, I want to go up during. Actually, I want I like to be coming back on Friday. Whatever so I do the same, go up on whatever, a Sunday. Whatever that then... Friday is, I want to come back on that Friday. So I don't even know what day it is in March. March. So, uh, okay. so I'll be 29th. coming back on the 29th. I like to get out of get out of the Brisbane Valley before the weekend because <laughs> it, 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 it does get a bit crazy up there. Did you know I might <laughs> potentially hunt that week too, Mark? Because I like to hunt the week before the Easter weekend. It's just quite early. It's weekend of the 29th. Do you reckon they're getting their eggs ready or something like that? I just prefer it because I'll be away for a week and then come back and spend the week with the family. So. That's it. Yeah, oh, so last yeah. week of March. Oh, could, be um, one, could, could be yeah. one week in March, fellas. They're in the, the last week of March. I don't know if I'll be up there for the whole week, but I will try and get up there for at least a few days. Um, camp in his front yard on a nice cut grass. Going to kill koi tonight. Yeah, yeah, nice pizza from kill koi. Going for pizza. Get up, cross. You know, get up, cross the track in the morning. Walk across, go through the fence, head up in the scrub. See if I can hear them roaring. I could hear them roaring last year, but that was a long, long way off. Mm. So, very good. Well, we'll see how that all plays out. It's not far to go. Oh, it's coming up quickly. Yeah, yeah it is. Real fast. It's become a bit too quick, actually. Mm. All right. I'll call I've it a wrap. I, I want to take my... Th-
Oh, I might take my 3006 with me this year, and I want to shoot that new Hornady ammo out of it, so I need to get to the range and sight that in. <laughs> need to make okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to find that in the last week of March. I don't want to find out I can't group it in the last week of March. Make sure you do the scope bring up, probably. You're right. You got a talk wrench, don't you, Mark? A very nice setup for putting on scopes properly. And I know how to use all of it. <laughs> That's an inside joke for another time. All right, we're done. We're finished. We're done. We're out. We're done. Okay. Well, Thanks, fellas. Awesome. Thanks, gents. Good night. Good night, guys.